Hello and welcome to the Permanent Good Podcast, a podcast that's part movie club, part improv comedy. My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. So I had an encounter at work that kind of made me like evaluate a lot about my life. All right. So I was just like walking through the hall and this like kid, probably like 14 years old, he, he's walking next to me you know, just by chance. And then he strikes up a conversation. He goes, Hey, have you seen the new transformers yet? And I say, no, uh, I'm hoping to see it next week. I'm still catching up on the old ones. And he goes, that was fire, man. And it caught me so off guard because like I'm in my uniform and everything. And I'm like, do I create such an atmosphere of casuality (laughs) that this 14 year old feels comfortable to just, you know, strike up a conversation and also curse with me? Because like, I'm not one of those adults that can pass as a younger person. I'm clearly an adult. Uh, Yeah. I mean, you could pass as a younger than you are person, but not a 14 year old. (laughs) Yeah. So I just kind of, it really made me stop and think and like, do I need to bring like a little bit more professionalism? Cause like I hadn't said anything to the dude. Do I just carry myself in this, in this like beautiful, casual endeavor? Yeah, dude. I don't know how to react to that. The thing is, is when kids talk like how they would talk to their friends, to me, it feels good. But cause like, I hope adults feel that way. I say adults, like we're not i hope freaking gen xers feel that way when we talk to them with our talk yes like we trust you enough to like, hey, uh, let like lay down the performance when i start saying things like it's okay and i just have a softer voice and i talk slower that's you know you're about to die because i i'm just like not convinced you're gonna figure it out like oh that's when you start referring to the person in the third person when they're right there, be like, Grandpa's getting a little grumpy, so we're going to give him some space. As soon as that starts to happen, <laughs> it's bad news. But if I'm just Game talking over. and I talk, yeah, regular pace, my normal vocabulary, I'm trusting that you can figure it out. So when people do that to me, I'm like, still got it. They think I'm cool. Yeah, and I remember kind of having an interaction. Like, my buddies and I were fi- were buying fireworks um, before the 4th of July. And th- let's be clear. This was not a legitimate firework stand or firework shop. It was a, mm-hmm. it was a portable canopy that was set up in an abandoned parking lot. And we, and we just kind of rolled up. And that was like my first interaction with like, quote unquote, staff of an establishment, kind of like just casually cursing in conversation. And I'm like, whoa, we're Uh customers. I understand that you're wearing a crop top and ripped jeans, but for some reason, you cursing with us is where I draw the professional line. I, dude, swearing at work always makes me feel weird. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. everyone, see, the thing is, is I come from a military background, so everybody does it. And even now, I work with only dudes. There are, I see about six women all day, and I work with more than a thousand people. If I'm not looking for them, like I could go find them, but like in passing, <laughs> Quick, find me a woman. Yeah, like I would know, I would know where to look. But like from my parking lot to the office, through the hallway to my cubicle to walking around to the snack bar. All right, going to the microwave, going to the water cooler, whatever. That whole time, I will see the same six women a couple times, but no more than six unless I 
seek them out. So like, I'm always conscious of like, hey man, let's not be crude. Because this could make a lot of people very uncomfortable. And even if they're not women, it could just make people feel uncomfortable. And there's a couple of times like, if you feel the need to look around and whisper, maybe not at work. <laughs> maybe not at work. Yeah, so, some closed door conversations are closed door for a reason. Hey man, we all have clearances here, okay? We can just get fired because people don't like us or don't trust us. So let's not be shady, okay? Take this outside. If we're going to have this conversation, let's do it outside, preferably like in a car or at your house. But or not in a like back alley, maybe in front a, of the police station. Yeah, I don't know. Not in front of 40 strangers. What the huh. heck, bro? I don't know. I think we reached no conclusion in this conversation. Normally, when we do like a lifestyle intro, we come to some sort of like philosophical ideation. That did not happen here. We Somehow, I think we're walking away more confused than when we started. But that's a truth that yeah, I think no. we just have to live with and move on. Yeah, some people are weird. <laughs> this week, we are finishing... Not finishing, but like we're nearing the end. We're in the we're in the home stretch. We're in our last double movie block of our Transformers marathon. We are watching Transformers: The Last Night and then Bumblebee. If you don't want to hear us talk about these movies, because oh boy, we're gonna talk about these <laughs> movies. You can skip to this time code right here. Time code: forty-four minutes twenty-eight seconds. So. Transformers The Last Night. I don't know where to begin. That's a lie. I know exactly where to begin. We need to talk. The first thing we need to hit right off the bat. You noticed the aspect ratio thing, right? Bro, I didn't know. I thought something was broken. <laughs> it was one of those things that like, you're kind of like, you're pinching your screen, trying to make it bigger and smaller. And then you're, if you put it on your big screen, like your TV, you're like, maybe it's the app I'm on. <laughs> It's just like something's not right. So what we're talking about is throughout the entirety of this movie, the letterboxing of the movie changes every, and I am not exaggerating, five shots. Not five scenes, not five sequences, five shots. Every time the camera cut, there was a dice rolls chance that the aspect ratio was going to change. And... There was really no rhyme or reason to it. Sometimes the action shots were more widescreen. Sometimes the action shots were more full screen. It really did not matter. And I would say for like 65% of the movie, for two thirds of the movie, it didn't really come up in a bad way. However, that other third... It's kind of like one of those things when people say, you're now breathing manually. It takes you like 15 minutes to stop doing that. That's how I felt every time I noticed the letterbox change. It's like it was the only thing I could focus on for a good chunk of time. Yeah, I think it helps to watch it in the dark because it covers up the letterboxing a little bit or watch it on your phone. It's just the whole thing. It feels like... I just want to say, hold on. Don't watch a two and a half hour movie on your phone. Are you crazy? That is awful advice. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man. So I'm going to literally pull up the IMDb synopsis of this movie. Here we go. A deadly threat from Earth's history reappears and a hunt for a lost artifact takes place between Autobots and Decepticons while Optimus Prime encounters his creator in space. Now... 
if you ask me to explain this movie, that's about as much detail as I could give you. Because I don't know what the fuck happened to this entire <laughs> goddamn movie. Okay, here's the thing. I understand this movie very well. I could probably take like 20 minutes and go through a very intricate plot of this. Um, the long story short of it is... Um, I mean, the night to the round table, real. Yes. Merlin yes. the wizard. Real. Also, played by Stanley Tucci, who we saw in Dark of the Moon, completely (laughs) unrelated. I really thought Stanley Tucci was another, like, main character in this. He's in it for four minutes. But they also brought back Josh Duhamel. I think they're just like, all right, what characters were in our big budget movies? Let's bring those guys back. Did not work at all. Shout out the Witwickies, which just get tossed back. Dude, I don't know what's canon and what's not. And I think this movie was just like, oh, yeah, those first three movies, that all happened. Yeah, and to the point where the Witwickies were less of a family and more of like a secret society called the Witwickens. And they were just like (laughs) in charge of the Transformers and... Uh, Anthony Hopkins is the leader of the Witwickens. He's the last of the Witwickens. And you would think that he would have shown up at some point in the first three movies, but no. Um, But yeah, so Stanley Tucci plays the real Merlin, and he was given an artifact from a Transformer that is basically (laughs) like a rod that can, that lets Cybertron draw the energy from earth so the idea is the queen of cybertron was gonna move cybertron next to earth plug in this staff and then use the earth's energy to rebuild cybertron that was the evil plan behind it all and so what i actually liked about this movie is this movie starts to fix my main complaint with this franchise where like I feel like we kind of gloss past a lot of the cool Transformer history to like focus on the modern militarization of it. This movie goes way more into Cybertron lore than the other movies have. And I enjoyed watching that happen. I needed it to go by slower. I needed it all to happen at once. However, there's lore throughout the entire movie, like in segments. Yes. And you have like... Can, here's my problem with it is I'm down for learning new stuff and world building. The problem is, is like you'd have someone explain it to you and then be like, well, here's what actually happened. Be like, I have no one thinks Merlin's real. He is. Well, there is a last night. Here's an artifact. Well, here's where it's actually located. I'm like, I don't know what's real and what's not real. I don't know. Like, where is Merlin real? Is he a real guy? Okay. Then you say magic is real, but it's not magic. It's actually Transformers. I'm like, okay, got that figured out. Knights of the Round Table. Are those guys real? Okay. Are there robots who form Knights of the Round Table? Okay. Are there? Are they Lancelot? No. Those. These are different guys. So it was like for me, it was like the mixing of what us as people in the real world zeitgeist know, and then what Transformers wants to integrate and not integrate. Yeah, that was confusing, and it all takes place throughout the movie. So you always need to be paying attention. If you do not have subtitles, you're gonna be lost. If you do have subtitles, there's a 50-50 shot you're going to be lost anyway. (laughs) I kind of knew what was going on, um, but there was like six subplots that I just lost track of like two or three of them. And then when they came back up, I'm like, I know this is important. I can't remember why. Now, we've been talking for this. We've been talking about this movie for like 10 minutes now. And you might be thinking. 
guys, how come you haven't brought up Mark Wahlberg yet? Well, because he's not that important in this one, guys. Like, the movie starts. He's wanted for the actions of the previous movie. And so are the Autobots. They're in hiding again. Surprise. And they're living Actually, in this, like... I don't remember what... Here's another problem with Transformers. They're all, they all start to blend. <laughs> I don't know what happened in the last movie. And I watched it, like, three days before I watched this movie. Well, we don't have time to go into all that. I'm trying to remember. Um, can you give me the cliff so we can cut it out? What yeah, did you do that was, was so bad? So it was the whole debacle with the seed and like he brought the Transformers back to Chicago. So it was like a Chicago incident again. Got you. So he's in trouble because it's his fault or because he's saving the Transformers and they're trying to exterminate. How many times that we can put this in? How many times are we going to hunt Transformers? Every, every one, every single one. They're good. They're like on our side for one and a half movies. And from that yeah. point on, Transformers, good or bad guys, Autobots, Decepticons, they're going to get hunted across the board, except for just the random ones the government lets work Deems with them. worthy. Just yeah. like, these are the good ones. I'm like, how come you can't just like have the good ones be the good ones? You always work with the bad guys. It's obnoxious. Which, is, which really comes around at the end of every single one of these movies when Optimus Prime says some corny dialogue like... I must protect this planet because it is the only one that has ever given me the opportunity to call this place my home. And I'm like, are you sure about that? That's crazy because you, you keep sure leaving. That's what they've done. You keep leaving. You it's or just being like it's. He goes back and forth between I have to protect this planet from you know my people, and then also <laughs> these humans are on their own. They won't leave us alone, and they're killing my friends. Um. <sighs> so. Mark Wahlberg is not the main character of this movie. Is I don't know what who I was the main trying to surmise. I feel like I everybody's think, a secondary character. Yes, but <laughs> the plot hinges around this woman named Vivian, who is a descendant of Merlin and the only person that can wield the staff that was gifted to him. So the Decepticons can use it because it's their technology. But Vivian is the only human that can use it because she's a descendant of Merlin and we're just along for the ride, I guess. And so they have to find the staff. The staff gets taken from them. They have to find like the battleground. They have to assemble a military. There's like a lot going on. Like the movie starts and Mark Wahlberg lives in like this transformer DMZ and one, and he like, a like kind of adopts like this, like 14 year old ruffian, but she's not in most of the movie. There's like, like you said, there's a lot going on. Yeah. And then like a token gets passed by an ancient transformer given to Cade. And you're like, well, I know that's going to be important. It's like the same insignia that was on the sword that was not explained earlier. The problem is, is like, I love world building when they explain it as it's happening or they explain it and then it happens. This movie will show you something and then you'll see it in the future. You'll see a flashback and you're supposed to remember what you saw. Like, (laughs) oh, this is that. This is what we were talking about earlier. Like, no, that never happens. So like we get introduced to like the sword insignia that token gets given to us and then it crawls up Cade's arm and then later we find out what it's about and by the way that was the most anticlimactic thing I've ever seen in my entire life that's the only time he's useful and if you're wondering like Alex you're jumping around this movie's confusing yeah yes it is I was lost Craig was not he liked this movie 
I have no idea what was going on. I got no clue. Also, every single freaking Transformers movie is going to keep introducing Transformers that you've never seen before, and we're going to pretend like they've been there the whole time. This one, they kept the they kept the dinosaurs, which I'm on board for. They kept the, the Hound cigar and, smoking one. Yeah. Hound, yep. And, and then, then like the samurai the, guy. Yeah, the John DiMaggio one. And then um, the other one, the, the the not samurai guy guy. So like those three. This sucks. Yes. It's so, just too, there's too many characters, there's too many names. There's there's so many people that I don't even know their names. And then there's like and also here's another annoying part. All the transforming happens in the first 45 minutes of this two and a half hour movie. After that, they're all in their robot form 90% of the time. Yeah. So like you got to like um, know their face and what they look like <laughs> as a robot. And I only know cars. I was very confused. So to talk about like the character thing for a little bit, I would say yes. maybe the 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 reason why it's a problem is because all these characters are important at different times. And the the character that I point to in relevance to this is Tony Hale's character. So Tony Hale plays this like NASA analyst that when Cybertron starts to like appear at earth he's the one doing all the calculations to like find out where the core is and where the staff is he gets introduced like in the first act of the movie and i'm like why is tony hale is in in this movie and then 90 minutes go by and now tony hale is a main character and i'm like whoa whoa what is going on why why are you still here and but i want to move on to the action of this movie because this is my favorite action up to this point in the franchise. As far um, as just like Michael Bayness, like action movie, like CGI, like like what do you mean action? Like actual action? Yes. I, because Okay, gotcha. Interesting take. So so here's the scene that like kind of cemented it for me. In this movie, um Optimus Prime gets corrupted by Cybertron and he fights the Autobots for a scene. It's not a relevant plot point, but it happens. Yes. Um, and there's a, a very brief scene of Optimus and Bumblebee just duking it out underwater and then launching themselves onto a ship and continuing to fight yeah, there. That was cool. sick as hell. And it also Transformers has always gotten the choreography cooler in every movie yeah it's insane how many different ways robots can fight and so that's what i mean when i say the action in this movie and like you nailed it like the robot choreography is the cleanest in this movie like consistently not to, i think that every movie has had a cool transformers fight but i think that this one had the most of them and so th- that's why this movie gets like a lot of points for me where the other ones don't because it focused more on the Cybertron lore. The human plot was like still boring, but like yeah. I could follow it and I didn't hate it. And then the action choreography was just the best in this one compared to the others. I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that they don't spend a lot of time as vehicles. They are fighting most of the time. Sure. Um, also another confusing point, uh, speaking of robots is they gave Decepticon a new face because he's the, you know, lab-created version. The Megatron. Megatron's, like, now Galvatron, but kind of... St- they started, They stopped calling him Galvatron. They, they're back to calling him Megatron. But he has a different face. He, that name is never brought up again. Yeah. This, so now he's back to being Megatron. However, he got a new face. He got Galvatron's face. They gave Megatron's old face to Starscream. And that's not confusing at all. 
Because this whole time <laughs> I thought Megatron was dead. It's they put he literally put his face on Starscream and just called called it Starscream. I'm like freaking great. That's awesome. And yeah. I mean, there's so many, there's so many new people. There's so many robots you need to know. Because also, we haven't talked about the French Lamborghini. We haven't, or the robot that's not a transformer that the whole time I was waiting for it to transform and it just doesn't do that. And (laughs) then the girl has a personal transformer. The small Um, one. The Tom Kenny transformer comes back for a second. Um, Anthony Hopkins has a Hitler transformer. Like, it's crazy. It's, dude, it's insane and you just gotta this movie if anything is the most ear along for the ride just freaking watch it dude don't think too hard just like just watch it because the action is crazy this is the most expensive transformers up until this point also the lowest grossing but we're not gonna talk about that (laughs) but it is the most expensive one it's also still michael bay directed so there's like countless explosions but like i i didn't know okay so quintessa gets revealed in this movie she's the creator of the autobots that's all i know about her because she's a she also like brainwashes optimus but this is when it got really confusing for me i'm like because i don't know why she's doing this i don't know how she's doing this i don't know where she is and i don't know why i haven't heard of her until now so like i when you get introduced to her i thought she was a good person i thought she was like one of the good guys she is not one of the good guys i knew she wasn't because um the last movie age of extinction optimus ends the movie by saying hey other autobots look after earth i'm kind of sick of all the creators bs i'm gonna go find them and kind of punch their face in and that's when he leaves um so he ends the last movie by saying the creators suck i'm gonna go punish them so when we meet quintessa i'm like ah he's here to punch your face in yeah um, um that did not happen no he, he it had really a stern didn't. talking to with her and then she just like hypnotized him yeah he failed his speech check it was it was pretty rough and then speaking of other bad guys megatron has a cool scene where he assembles a team of bad guys in the desert and he's just oh, calling out yeah. the name. That's a cool scene. And then they all get murked so fast. <laughs> yeah. They're all dead 20 minutes later. <laughs> oh my God. I want to talk about one bad thing and then I want to wrap it up with a good thing. Sure. Um, Gerard Carmichael did not need to be in this movie. Like I, Wait, who he, was he? he? He was like the assistant to, Cade at the beginning of the movie and he oh like my brings gosh the, right yeah so he plays the role that tj miller was doing in yeah, age of extinction dude. he was the comedic relief but was in just as much of the movie as tj miller and a third as funny as tj miller and like it got to the point where i saw him and i'm like oh that's gerard carmichael this is the wrong movie for you and it was <laughs> it I was confused the whole time. I just didn't get it. Yeah, but I want to end on a good thing because I think, you know, this movie is still okay. I'm not trying to give it, like, too many accolades. But it does have maybe the coldest Optimus line I've ever heard, which is, like, when he's starting the final fight sequence, he's fighting the knights that protect Quintessa. And they're kind of, like, kicking his butt for a little bit. And then when he, like, regroups, he goes... Did you forget who I am? And then absolutely wrecks them. And that is such a cool moment. Um, I was on board for that. 
Yeah. Also, Anthony Hopkins is in this movie. Yeah, I brought him up already. So here's the weird thing about Anthony Hopkins, right? This is a weird time for us to talk about this movie because I just read like a headline where Anthony Hopkins was complaining about being in the Thor movies because he called it like degrading acting and like acting that meant nothing. I like I read that headline and then clicked play on this movie and I'm like, then what's this, Mr. Hopkins? What did, did, yep. did you accomplish more out of this? You have no one to blame but yourself for this one. True that. Craig, I I need to know what you gave this for a rating. I'm struggling because I like this movie. Here's what I'm realizing is I gave the first Transformers way too high of a rating. That bar you is You gave the first incorrect. one a 6.75. So I think I'm going to give this one a flat six. I did not hate this. There's, You know what? No, hold on. Wait, time out. I it, this number needs to start with a five. It's a five point seven five. It okay. would be a six if it wasn't for the letterboxing. Maybe even higher. That letterboxing sucks. Uh this is the worst movie in the franchise for me. Okay, and it's not even close. And it all comes down to the fact that I could not explain this movie. I could explain parts. I'm like, oh, Merlin's real. This is his descendant. Um, Cade has a scene where he saves Optimus because a sword comes out of his arm, and then that's never relevant again. Um. But, like, I could not explain to you why things are happening. So I'm giving it a 3.25. Oh, my God. And I'll tell you why. In order for something to be a 3, it needs to be a bad movie. And I need to have regretted seeing it. Oh, wow. And I feel like these are two and a half hours I'm not going to get back. Because the problem is, is I don't remember it. I don't remember most of it. And the parts I do remember are confusing. And the fact that this movie is two and a half hours is so daunting. Like, do it once, that's a gamble, you lost, oh well. But, like, if your main problem is not understanding it, the best way to understand it better is to watch it again. Now, that's a second two and a half hours that you are gambling with. And, you know, doing this podcast has made us both realize our mortal coil is finite. Yeah, I can suffer once. I'll watch a good movie twice. Because I'm I missing some points. Maybe you'll bring up a good point. I'm like, I didn't even know that. Let me go back, read back. Let me go back and watch it again through that lens. When it's a bad movie, bro, you gave it a 5.75. I'm like, oh, maybe I definitely missed some stuff. That's a two and a half point difference. I'm not going back and watching this. <laughs> I'm not watching this. It, it's hurt. In order for it to be a two, this is 3.25. In order for it to be a two, it has to have like camera and mic issues. This would, it, is, would it have been a two if this movie had like Thor Love and Thunder CGI? Yes. Okay. It would have been a two if this had Thor Love and if it if dude, if the aspect ratio wasn't the only problem. If it if there was more problems, it would have been a two. But I had yeah. subtitles on, so I didn't have issues with hearing the lines. You, there was it was never too dark that you couldn't see what was happening. I like I didn't see like a boom mic in the background. But this is like as low as you can get without like technical stuff because at the end of the day it's a technical marvel half this stuff doesn't even exist yeah it's impressive are you ready to talk about bumblebee yeah this movie rules this movie rips i think this is a good this is no this is an okay movie okay movie it's a coming of age film but a excellent transformers movie this is my favorite transformers movie like just straight up it is because like here's how i relate it the dark knight is 
a great superhero movie, like Batman movie, because it's such a good movie. You don't need to like Batman to like this, to like Dark Knight. And I think you don't need to care about Transformers to like this movie. This yeah. is what everyone's first Transformers movie should be. Correct. Um, and some might argue only, but yeah. <laughs> this one is way simpler to, to, to sum up. Um, it's, the movie it's so st- easy. The movie starts on Cybertron. We are witnessing the war and the fall of Cybertron. The Autobots are losing the war against the Decepticons, and Optimus pulls Bumblebee aside, and he goes, We need to fall back and regroup. You go to Earth, make sure it's safe, establish a base, we'll see you in a few. He does that, and he's the only one there, and Haley Steinfeld is the character that finds him, They like Haley Steinfeld, like teaches him the way of Earth and kind of like shows him around. She's his human mentor. And then Decepticons trace Bumblebee, find him on Earth, and then try to send out a signal to other Decepticons to kill Earth before the Autobots get there. Um, That's that's it. That's the movie. There's some details like the Decepticons deceive the U.S. military to help get access to their satellites and find Bumblebee. There's some coming of age stuff where like she's had issues with her parents and she's her dad died. So she's working through that grief. But it's all teenage stuff. It's, it's a coming of age movie with yeah. a Transformer. It's like Herbie fully loaded with the same car. <laughs> yeah. Um, John Cena is in this movie and this is before he learned how to act. Um, it's, so <laughs> it's it's bad, bad. It's bad. Um, I was lulled into a false sense of security because the first scene of this movie on Earth is very good. It's like so good. And um, John Cena is running a military exercise. He traps one of his you know his opponents, and he does like a bit with shooting him with paintballs. That is very like peacemaker-esque it's that same style of like super quick and repetitive humor and that happens so well that when you see the next scene and he's just not doing great he's drowning in those scenes you're like oh oh john Ooh, you 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 burned your you burned your flame a little early bud yeah dude it's just it's he's distractingly bad he's distractingly bad i also didn't like the parents and Haley Steinfeld's yes. family, but that it felt like th- it felt like this was. Uh, I mean, this is gonna sound like a diss. It it sounded like a uh, a, a Disney Channel original movie with a bigger budget. That's yeah, what it felt like because the problems that Haley Steinfeld, her character's name is Charlie. The problem that Charlie has with her parents is like a lot of miscommunication about like where they're at. In their lives. So her mom is dating again. Her boyfriend's moved in. And Charlie is still very much holding on to her dad. And um, she is not releasing her grief in a healthy way. And her family is usually on the brunt of it. And her mom kind of lashes back in a way that Charlie doesn't take super well. Um, And Alex, I'm going to be honest. This movie made me cry. I did not expect to cry during a Transformers oh, movie, no. but uh, this movie got me. Um, For when? And it's when it's it's the scene where Haley Steinfeld installs the radio onto Bumblebee, and she's pulling it out of the Corvette that her and her dad had worked on, and this yep. Corvette is like th- this big symbol of 
her healing process with the grief. And she's explaining this to Bumblebee that like my dad and I worked on this Corvette for a while. And then she says the line, I think that if I just fix it, I could hear him again. And that line just like, ah, it's so cheesy. And like, it's very much like this movie had like very sappy music over it. And that's what this movie does is it's cheesy in all of those places where they say something super sentimental with like, light orchestral music going on on top of it and that's what that line was but for some reason it just caught me so off guard when i'm like oh no and that line i'm like never i'm gonna root for you for the rest of this movie no matter how bad you are to your parents like i'm on your side kid you yeah, win. i liked her charlie's a very likable person yeah and her neighbor who's constantly trying to hit on her also very everyone's likable also there's only three transformers in this entire movie so you're not going to get confused it's so nice Oh, it's so nice. I knew exactly who everyone was. I knew all the characters. I pretty much knew all their names. And I knew what was going on. It was It's so linear. And it's two hours long. And yeah. you feel uh-huh. the 30 minutes they cut off. Because you look and you're like, oh my gosh, I only got like 20 minutes left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, this movie has some stuff like my biggest pet peeves in movies. It's not super big. I'm being dramatic. But I don't like it when they set up a callback so very obviously. And this movie does that. Where Charlie used to be a competitive diver. Um, but after her dad oh, died, she stopped my, doing this it. This was in my notes, dude. I and hated that. And so there's this scene where this boy that she kind of has a crush on calls her out to do a dive off of a cliff into water, not just to her death. And she walks up to the edge of the cliff and then effectively chickens out. And at the end of the movie, she is on top of this like uh, transmitting tower and she needs to dive into the water to save Bumblebee. And so we watch her do a high dive that we did not get to see her do earlier in the movie. And during the climax of this movie, I thought to myself, you know, that diving scene hasn't really come back into play yet. I wonder if they just forgot about it. And then that happened, and I'm like, oh, I wish they had forgotten about it instead. This is somehow a worse resolution to this. Dude, I thought the same thing with the Corvette. I'm like, man. This movie's going to end, and we're not going to talk about the Corvette ever again. Then the movie ends. There's three or four lines of credits, and then they then they have two more scenes. <laughs> yeah. And the Corvette's there. I'm like, hey, man, wait till after the movie to roll credits. You can't get to do like a director, producer, three actors, and then put us back in the movie. <laughs> it was <laughs> pretty quick. I was looking through like the trivia for it before the movie was over and it had mentioned the the mid credit scene. I'm like, oh, mid credit scene. I'll have to wait like three or four minutes for it to show up. Wrong. 25 <laughs> seconds max. Dude. Okay. I will say you can tell this movie has the smallest budget of all the Transformers. Yes. Because the first, and you know it immediately because the first Transformers scene when they're all b- battling on uh, Cybertron, it looks, it doesn't look good. It does not look good. I'm here's the defense I'm going to make for that because I still liked it a lot because I think they leaned into the cartoonishness of it because all the designs of the Autobots um, are reminiscent of the original animated series. And so I think because they went with that style, they kind of let it look a little more genuinely animated than before. So I think that at that point we're looking at, um, 
style and subjective taste. And so I really yeah, like it's the just tricky on when we're doing we're jumping from that into live action. The, yes, it's, yeah, it just gets sure. tricky for me. It's a stylistic choice, like you said. I just wasn't feeling it. Yeah. Especially um, since we watched freaking five Transformers movies before this. And my expectations yeah. were high. Uh, Bumblebee is a very entertaining fighter. Every fight that he was in in this movie was really cool. And I liked it a lot. What Dude, I'm like, going to consider. He was doing like Black Widow stuff. He really was. It was insane. Like, and as a result of that, um, it was cool to see Bumblebee talk. But it because we got to see Bumblebee talk when we watched him get his vocal cords get ripped out. That was brutal to watch in a sense. Yeah, where I'm just like, oh my, oh my God. Like they show the whole thing. And like, obviously he doesn't bleed or anything, but like watching like the knife, like yank through the cords was like, I, I felt bad for him. Dude. I'm like that had, it felt like, he was it was pretty human like where someone would like rip into your throat and pull something out. It was hard to watch almost. And I bring that up just because like that was the result of a very cool fight sequence. Um we see uh probably my favorite accelerated punch in the franchise when Bumblebee just drives right at oh, one of them. Oh, he the turns into a car. Yeah, and oh, just, like, punches so someone cool. at, like, 50 miles an hour. Like, there's just so many cool fight sequences, and we don't get that many with Bumblebee specifically in the previous movies. So it's nice to see his, like, genuine warrior side come out. And this yeah. movie does something super smart where there are two antagonists, but Bumblebee only has to fight them one at a time. And so we get to see Bumblebee wreck shop on this one Decepticon and like just brutally takes him on. That Decepticon had no chance. And yeah. then we see the second one and that fight scene is very interesting and how that um, scene resolves itself was cool to watch. And so the way it resolves itself is because that Decepticon gets pinned up against a ship and crushed against a wall as a dam is breaking and a giant wave comes in. And watching that explosion was just metal and I loved it. So I got grabs against this movie, as I do every movie. Sure. Um, we're going to talk. I mean, we already talked about the diving. It was useless. It's completely useless. Unnecessary. To the point where I'm, I was confused why they included it. it. That whole thing could have been cut out. And it just it just didn't make sense. Um, there's, there's a line where Optimus goes, I found a planet where you can be well hidden. And that directly contradicts the previous movie where they've yeah. been here since the freaking dinosaurs. And that Cybertron has always been paired up with Earth. I'm like, what is canon and what is not canon, bro? I, it just didn't make sense. Um, so that's like, I guess it's a pet peeve that this is one of those things that happens in every time we do a franchise month. This is the stuff that we recognize that no one else picks up on. But we just watched all the movies back to back to back. There was a yes. couple scenes that I also skipped through because they were either too cringy or I just, they're a pet peeve. And one of oh, them wow. is big thing gets in a house and breaks stuff. Yes. Yeah. I skipped through it. I went to the end. That's where we kind of fall back on the like coming of age tropey kind of stuff. 
And yeah, I, I didn't love it either because it's action without consequence where you know that at the end of the movie, like it's all going to work out. So why are we causing this big mess in the first place? It just goes on for too long. I also like something. It's just like it wasn't for me. Like the whole diving scene where he's trying to get him to jump, uh, get her to jump off the cliff. Fast forward it through it. Just, <laughs> 10 seconds, 10 seconds. I knew she wasn't going to jump. So I'm just like, I don't, I don't need to see this. You know you can't do that when you go see Rise of the Beasts, right? Like you have to watch the whole thing. I just know I'm I'm ba- I'm banking on Rise of the Beasts being like the old ones. Bumblebee, I feel like is like a spinoff. It's its own I thing. Want I want Rise of the Beasts to be more like Bumblebee. And I here's the thing. I, I was it- reading in trivia that um, Bumblebee is supposed to be like the reboot of this series. Which, by the way, you can't do a reboot for years after the last one just came out that's not a reboot i guess you can they're doing it this is like spider-man all over again where one and batman like it just came out and you're rebooting the series already so they put out bumblebee and like well if bumblebee does good we'll put out a bunch of movies like this and we'll just make this its own universe so i don't know what to expect i'm excited for it okay i'm not i'm not excited is the wrong word i'm excited for this thing to be over (laughs) Um, with Rise of the Beasts being the only one that we have not seen yet, you sent me a list of digital trends, all the Transformers movies ranked, and we're going to see how our opinion goes up against Carson Burton's, um, and we're going to see how this goes. Um, the, in last place is Transformers The Last Night. I understand why people don't like it because, you know, burnout. I think that movie suffers from, you know, franchise burnout more than anything else. I think it's also just confusing. If you read the notes, I'm sure he's like, what's going on? You need to like lore and pay attention to get that movie. Like, that's it. You need to like it and pay attention. If you don't like it or you don't pay attention, you're going to be confused the whole time. Uh, Revenge of the Fallen is next. That's fair. Um, That's the second movie. Yeah. Age yeah. of Extinction is after that. Again, people don't that like the Wahlberg sense. ones. Um, then Transformers, the first one, is listed as number four, which, like, have you which seen I think is the middle others? Of the pack. I think, well, they're, they're doing seven, and they put that one in the middle. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, it's because they also put the original 1986 That's what Transformers I'm saying. They don't do Rise of the Beast. All right. They put the original in there. So there's only two okay. of the movies that we've seen that beat it. I will say, after watching Bumblebee, Bumblebee is the movie that inspired me the most to watch an older piece of Transformers media. Like, I was not okay. interested in continuing engaging in Transformers until I watched Bumblebee. Um, and yeah, then, Bumblebee is my second favorite. Do we give Bumblebee a grade yet? Or are we doing that after this? Oh, not yet. We'll do it after this. And then the second is Bumblebee, and the first okay. one is Dark of the Moon. I think that Dark of the Moon has a lot of nostalgia bait in it, just because it's the end of the Shia LaBeouf trilogy. Of Shia. And people, yeah. and people have a lot of nostalgia for that, and I disagree. Um, I, yeah, me and you both are like, nah, this movie's bad. <laughs> I'm going to give Bumblebee a seven and a quarter, which I understand. Holy crap. I understand that giving Bumblebee a seven and a quarter is the same as me giving it a perfect 10 out of 10 compared to all (laughs) the other movies that we had watched. But just this movie is good to like, I understand what you said at the beginning. Like it's an okay movie. It's a great Transformers movie. I think blanket. It's a good movie. It's not a great movie. It has flaws, but I think that standalone, this is a good movie. Okay. 
I think this movie went to the basics. We're going to have three Transformers. We're going to have five characters or six, depending on if you include the family. That's a whole other thing. It's going to be a coming of age movie. And it's just going to have Transformers in it. I think that's some I'm coming of age movies have never been my thing. Um, and I think the problem is, is when you go back to basics, you needed to get all the fundamentals right. And John Cena is not a fundamental that they got right. I think some of these cliches like diving um, and like the the big thing in the house wrecking everything. These are cliches that I'm like, they might, they're a trope for so many things. And this is one of the fundamentals that they just didn't get right for me. But so it's not a bad movie. I'm giving it a five and a half, <laughs> which I'm giving it a five and a half. Because it's not something I'm going to see again. It's not going to be something I recommend to people unless they're like, I want to watch the Transformers. What order should I watch it in? I'll be like, watch Bumblebee, then go watch all the other ones. Because if you don't like Bumblebee, you're going to hate the other movies. Five yeah. and a half. That's like a little bit better than Middle of the Road. It's a just a movie, man. But a, it's a good Transformers movie. All right, Alex, what is our improv segment? Jeez, we're going so long. We're doing Alphabet Soup, man. This is the improv segment where we... Uh, have to start out each one of our lines with the letter of the alphabet we're on. We usually start in different places and we're just going by our line. So if you start at C, I start in, you know, W, your next line has to be D and my next line has to be X. And it gets tricky, ladies and gentlemen. Craig, do you uh, have give a me a second while like I doing? pull up a picture of the alphabet so I you can follow along. Okay, printable alphabet. There we go. Let's go ahead and zoom in so I don't miss anything. Okay. Um, you are the bouncer to... I'm trying to figure out... Okay. You are the host of a college party, and I do not deserve to be in this party, but I'm trying to talk my way in. Okay, you can start at T. Okay, and you can start at K. All right. Uh, uh, t- Tommy, Tommy, Um, hey, I was just wondering, uh, when is your party starting tonight? Kyle, listen, man, I'm not trying to be rude. Uh, I don't think this is a party for you, man. Under the current circumstances, I don't think you have a choice. Let me break it to you like this. This is kind of for uh, cool people, and it's... It's hard for me to rationalize why you should be there. Very irresponsible of you to give such an open-ended answer to a very concrete problem. Maybe I'll make this easier. You can't come. The last time you were at one of my parties, you started playing spin the bottle with everyone's little sister. What do I have to say to make it clear to you that um, I'm coming to this party and I just wanted to let you know that if I don't go, there will be consequences. Nothing you could say is going to make this cool with anybody else. Even if I wanted you to come, no one's going to let you, no one's going to be okay with you being there, dude. Like fights are going to break out the second you walk in the door. X-ray vision is not necessary to understand that what I have will tumble the little empire that you've built throughout this campus. You think that you have power today? Well, this time tomorrow, you won't. Other than what we've just discussed, do you know something that I don't? Like, are you off your meds? Is there- you don't know. You-, you don't know? Well, it just so happens that I may have a friend that follows you around campus when you don't suspect it, and I saw you... In the science building, a building that you don't frequent regularly. Now, why would a jock like you need to go into the science building, a place he clearly doesn't have class? Probably because my girlfriend is a student aide. Oh, 
Just waiting for her. Zesty response that you've given me. But you see, it's your girlfriend <laughs> that ties this whole thing together. Don't you understand? Because I know her schedule as well, and she was off that day. Quite the astute observation. Um, astute indeed! Right. So, I'm a little confused. What are you getting at? So, what if I was in the science building? What does that even mean? Like, you're following me. That's way creepier than anything I could possibly be doing in that area of campus. Be doing? More like, who who, who be doing? Who be doing? Be doing who? Be doing who? I I found it. Shut up, dude. What? Cut to the chase. Cut to the chase. I'll cut to the chase. I know that you've been sleeping with Professor Reynolds. The, the, that guy's a dude. I'm not, I'm not gay. Do you really think that that is such a simple enough explanation for me to drop this case? Absolutely not. Um, well, I'm not. Go ask him, I guess. I mean, hey, dude, this is extremely inappropriate. Everyone shall know of your truth unless you grant my simple request. Otherwise, consequences shall be had. Very well. What is your request? Friend, all I ask is that I come to your party tonight and that I am given 20 uninterrupted minutes with Daphne. What if I don't let you come to the party and instead I report you for stalking, harassment, and smooching on minors? Guess then we'll just have to do this the hard way, coxgun. I'm so glad you did that right before I hit X, bro. I've been Googling X words this entire time. I didn't know how far you're going to let this go. I was going to say Xerox something. Um, No, that's a, that's, that's a brain power bit. That's, that is an execution over funny uh, kind of yeah, bit. I mean, hey, try it with your friends. See how you do. Let's move on to our middle segment. This is a segment that we prepare ahead of time. And it's usually gamified of some sort. And guess what? Hey, guess what? I have another gamified one. This one's called Doom to Fail. This is where I give you questions that I'm pretty sure you don't know the answer to. And I I have five questions. It's a shorter one. And the twist on this one is that they are all personal questions. I thought you were going to say they're all made up. (laughs) No. All right. Um, This is going to be very difficult. All right. Which of these movies is not in my letterboxed top four list? So I'll read out the, the, the options, and you tell me which one does not belong. Into the Spider-Verse, The Whale, Kingsman, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Okay. The new one? The new Spider-Man? Or the old one? Uh, the 2018 one, Into the Spider-Verse. Okay. It's definitely between Scott Pilgrim and Kingsman. You recently watched Kingsman. Yes. I know for a fact Spider-Verse is there, and I know for a fact The Whale's there. So it's I'm, I'm certain... It's between Kingsman and Scott Pilgrim. The problem is, is does your letterbox, how, how much is nostalgia weighed in? Because I know neither one of these movies hit like they used to. Um, I'm going to say I Scott. I you put it like that. Um, it does play a, a good factor. Because I know you recently watched Kingsman and I know you still liked it. I don't think Scott Pilgrim. You, I don't think you like that as much as you used to. So I'm saying Scott Pilgrim isn't actually in the list. You're right. Scott Scott Pilgrim got dethroned a few weeks ago. <laughs> we just did a Studio Ghibli month on Small and Tall. So I rewatched Kiki's Delivery Service and that movie rules. Um, 
Speaking of small and tall, um, which of these themes have we not done on small and tall? Oh, no. I'm hoping you've just like mentioned these in passing or else I'm screwed. Here are your four options. Uh, romantic comedies, Disney Channel original movies, childhood book movies, or our parents' favorite movies. Well, you did Bridge to Terabithia, right? <laughs> I'm gonna did say we? you did that. I'm going to say you did. Oh, it was the last one you said. You said... Book movies. I said romantic comedies, yep. Disney Channel original movies, childhood book okay. movies, and our parents' mm-hmm. favorites. Oh my gosh. I'm going to say you did do book movies. I'm going to say this is so hard. I have no idea. <laughs> because the small and tall themes are way less grounded than any permanent good theme we shoot by the hip over on that channel yeah but those are all things you guys would do Uh uh-huh i'm gonna go you did do parents just because that's something you would do so i'm so rom-coms almost seems too like normal for small and tall <laughs> but it would be a good way to you for you to do the movies we don't normally do because we never do rom-coms like it happens every once in a while but it's like not a thing but i i could have sworn you haven't done the other one either <laughs> oh this is so hard and i know i'm gonna say you did do romantic comedies i bet you that was one of the first ones you did it sounds familiar so I'm going to say the second one didn't actually happen. Romantic comedies was episode number three and we did have, and we did not do Disney channel original movies. I was like, oh, we would have talked about it and I didn't, I could not remember. The thing is, this was one of those things that we've been doing small and tall for a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I remember talking about romantic comedies and recalling conversations from like the past two years is impossible. I'm like, we've talked about <laughs> Disney channel original movies sometime within the past two years that was a crapshoot i'm not taking credit for that one i just got lucky all right next one which one is my favorite of the ninja turtles oh well this is gonna be impossible okay in case you don't know the four ninja turtles are michelangelo leonardo Raphael, and donatello okay so this is one you're looking for your least favorite you're looking for my favorite ninja turtle okay well it's not gonna be Raphael because he has an anger problem. Okay. It's not going to be Leonardo because he's like the alpha and that's not your MO. Okay. So we're stuck between the nerdy inventor and the comedic relief. I'm going Donatello. I'm going uh, nerdy inventor is your favorite. Okay. It is Leonardo. I, there's a part of me that's like, that's everyone's favorite. He's too, he's, he's not mainstream like that. That's my favorite too. Leonardo's my guy. I'm a big sucker for the flawed leader trope. You know, the, the, Lack self-confidence, but has to find it to lead a group of people. Big yeah. fan of that. Love that. Um, yeah, Leonardo's my favorite. The blue man. So, here's uh, the next question. In what game? Everyone everyone here knows. I'm a big achievement guy uh, on the good old Xbox system. In what game is my oldest achievement on my current Xbox account? Oh, my gosh. Okay. I'll give you a hint in that this happened in 2012. Okay. <laughs> This is going to be difficult. Um, you're oh, gonna... I can give you options. Yeah, yeah I would forgot be like, about that uh, part. This is impossible. Give it to me. Was it Halo Reach, Skyrim, Minecraft, or Assassin's Creed 2? Halo Reach. Any thought behind it? I'm going to go not Skyrim 
because that's no okay. one's first achievement. That's nobody's. Okay. Um, I was positive it was Halo and Two said Assassin's Creed Two, <laughs> but I don't think it's Assassin's Creed Two either because I think you relate to the game with all Assassin's Creeds until like recently, and uh, I don't think it's Minecraft either. Although Minecraft would have been, it makes sense because you're young, but I think Halo Reach is what everyone was playing, so I'm going Halo Reach. It was in fact Halo Reach. Yo boy. Um, and so that account, the account that I have now is not my first account. Um, I had like an offline account that got reset when I converted to Xbox Live. If I were to look at the stats on that, that would have some old achievements. Oh boy. Um, but yeah. And here's the final question. Do you remember what chain restaurant I used to work at? Would you like options? If you give me options, you- I'm gonna know. Yeah. So which is kind of kind of why I want to see if you can get this off the dome. It was is this the one day one? No. No it is not. Cuz I almost said Domino's. Okay. Okay. Um so we're talking high school? Yeah, fresh out of high school. The summer in between high school and college. Okay. Where was it? Can you give me like a city? It was in our hometown. It was in our hometown. Would you like your options now? It's going to be ch- I'm going to know. But yeah, you can give it to me. Okay. Applebee's, Texas Roadhouse, nope. Nope. Chili's, CC's. Nope. Whoa, turns out I don't know. <laughs> you said CC's? I did, yeah. Not CC's. Applebee's or Chili's, huh? It's Chili's. It is, in fact, Chili's, yeah. I worked I there for like why. six weeks. I just had to think about it for a half a second. I remember you working there. Yeah, it was Chili's. Yeah, I worked there for like two months. And my last shift, I had moved to college, which was like 35, 40 minutes away. Yep. And. Um, I came back for a meeting cause like we were kind of thinking about like me just doing a shift every other week to stay on the payroll. Uh, that never ended up happening. They never put me on the schedule again. And I just, I don't even know if I'm technically fired from Chili's. Like I'm not in the system anymore, obviously, but like I never got like a termination notice. We never talked about it. I just kind of never got scheduled again. Nice. I remember that happened. Like, I had to think about it for a half a second. Just run through the database real quick. But yeah. Chili. yeah. Dude, I missed one. And this yeah. is not something you can cheat on. You just got to know. I'll take it. Okay. Here's our one hit wonder. This is a segment we only do once and we never bring it back. Um, This one, I had a name for it. Oh, this one's called Movie Math. So what we're going to do, uh, this is also kind of a TikTok trend in case you were curious. Um, I have three numerical values. So three okay. rounds for this game that we're doing. And we must add together three Rotten Tomato scores for movies to get the closest to this numerical value as possible. Does okay. that make sense? Yes, it does. So the, is this the like rules- best out of 10? Or is it like one through ten, one through five? I'm saying like score. Um, we're doing so three like rounds. So each movie, are we giving like a okay three rounds? But are we are we grading each movie one to five or one to ten, and then adding that up, or is it three stars? Like what's what's the max and what's it, the low? It's on it's the Rotten Tomato score, the critic Rotten Tomato score. So it's percentages, and <sighs> each okay. round I'll tell you what number we're shooting for. Okay, I'll just trust you. Um. And so the rules for this are going to be as follows. We're going to volley our guesses back and forth. We're going to take turn pulling movies. And then the other person is going to check the scores. So the easiest way to do this is just by doing it. Um, So the first number that we're going to try to get our movies to add up to is 200. So pick three movies and we're going to add their Rotten Tomato scores together. 
and the closest to 200% wins. And the caveat is we have to pull from the main feed movies that we've watched. Like movies that are in episode titles for our podcast. Oh, geez. All right. I can get to 200. Is this the highest number we're going for? Yes. Okay. Because I think going lower is going to be harder. So yeah, just choose one movie and I'll look it up. And then at the end, we'll add them together. But you're not going to tell me what that movie is or are you? Yeah, I'm not going to tell you until after we've chosen our three movies. All right. I'm going to start off with two heaters. I'm going to go Django Unchained. Well, start with one. Start with one. Right. I'm going to go Django Unchained. Okay. And so my first guess is, I didn't even think about this. Okay. Um, My first guess is going to be The Iron Giant. That's a good Oh, whoa. Okay. Uh, My next one is going to be, I'm going to go Remember the Titans. Okay. My next guess is going to be Citizen Kane. Okay. Do you have any strategy behind this? Yeah. I'm trying to get two good movies and then my next one's going to be a stinker. I'm going for two good movies. Not perfect movies. And then I've got to go for like a mid one now. So I'm trying to think of something that like half the people liked. And that's harder than I thought it would be. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, like I ideally I would get like a 40, like I'm going 40 to 60 here. Um, I'm going to go the A team seems pretty down the middle. Okay. I'm going to go with Enola Holmes. Oh, dude. I have no idea what people think about this one. All right. I'm going to let's both take a second and add them up. All right, Craig, you ready? I think I goofed mine pretty bad. You messed yours up pretty bad. All right. Iron Giant is 96. Citizen Kane is 99. Enola Holmes is 91. No (laughs) way. It's 91. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going off the tomato meter, not the audience score. Correct. Tomato meter. 91 bro for Enola Holmes oh my god yeah <laughs> dude you get this round handedly um because Django is at 87 percent remember the Titans is at 72 percent and then the A team is at 48 percent you had a grand total of 207 that's I, Django is higher than I thought it was gonna be but A yeah, team but was like, way more down the middle. I thought A team was actually going to be like in this like 65. You got almost as close as you can get without hitting it right on the money. The next total that we are shooting for is 125. Oh, this sucks. Yeah. I just uh-huh. need mid movies, dude. All right, yeah. I'm going to have to scroll through our. I'm going to guess first, <sighs> and I'm going to say The Skulls. I, for- I always forget about that movie. Okay, let me write it down real quick. All right, I'm going to go Terminator 4. Um, And that one was Salvation. I think so. Yes. We're going for 120? 125. Okay. The next one, I'm going to say Spy Kids 2. Oh, that's a good one. I was thinking about it, but I think it's going to be too high for, me, for what I'm going for. Are you going for a bunch of mid-movies? Yeah. Okay, I didn't know if you were trying to shoot low. I well yeah I'm shooting low because I'm overcompensating. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go wild hogs. That's a good one. My strategy is to hit a couple low, a couple mid, and then hit them with a banger. Okay. My last one. I'm gonna say Ricky and the Flash. Oh my gosh! I forgot about our best and worst. 
That would have been the go-to. We might, I have to break that up for the next one. I think you might have shot too low, but we'll add it up. Okay. I need something that's pretty good, but not perfect. Um, maybe I'm, may, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see if I can do a Fast and Furious movie. What's pretty good? I liked Fast 4. I don't know if everybody liked Fast 4, though. I feel like people don't like Fast and Furious at all. <laughs> this is a ballsy move. This, oh, I bet you Fast, uh, was it Furious 7, Fast 7? Furious 7. I bet you that one's pretty good. I'm going to go Furious 7. I bet you that's probably what the people's favorite movie. I'll go that one. Okay, let's take a second and add up our scores. I break out the calc. Alex, I don't know how you... This is wild. Okay. Um, want me so, to go first or you to go first? I'll go first. So Terminator okay. Salvation sits at 33%. Wild Hogs gotcha. at 14%. And then you come in clutch with Furious 7 at 81%, bringing you to a grand total of 128. Oh, wow, bro. See, here's the thing. That's not what I thought it was going to be. Um, Furious 7 is way higher. Way high. I, that's way high. That's way too high. And Wild Hogs... That's way too low. It's bad. It's not that bad. Um, Skulls is nine. Okay. <laughs> it's just nine. <laughs> so that kind of throws a wrench in everything else. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, <laughs> Spy Kids 2 is 75. Okay. Okay. And Ricky and the Flash is 64 for a grand total oh. of 148. Okay, so I got closer than my last one. Um, Ricky and the Flash and... Dude, all those numbers are crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, last one. And I'm going to say no repeats because we've already looked at all the scores. But... Here's yeah. the here's our hardest one is we're shooting for fifty. Okay, I already know which ones I'm gonna do. Oh, okay. I know what I'm gonna start off with. Okay, well, since I lost, I'm gonna go first. These are my rules, and <sighs> sure. there's nothing you can say about it. Um, I'm gonna go with um, I just uh, Wild Wild West. Okay, I see you. I'm doing Bride Wars. <laughs> Okay, I see you. Hey, it really helps that we did a month called Best and Worst. <laughs> Oh man. Um okay, so continuing with tradition, like you would think that you would think that I would choose the terror, right? I think the terror is going to be too high. I think that too I many people I think it's like a cult movie. classic. Yeah, right? Uh-huh. That's so I, I think I got to stay away from that one. Um I'm going to say god, this might be my downfall. I really want to say Tokyo Drift, but like Again, Dude, cult classic. People that love it, love, love it. it. And we're going for fifty, right? Yeah. People also hate Too Fast, Too Furious. Um, so the thing is, I think people, everybody hates the Fast oh. and Furious movies. So you're gonna be good, like across the board. Here's what I'm gonna say: Hubie Halloween. I, dude, Sandler is yeah. sneaky, dude. You never know what you're going to get with you him. You never know. That's and way too ballsy. It was, but like it felt right in my heart. I would have, ne- dude, people freaking love him. That's crazy. <laughs> I think you just ruined it with that one, dude. Um, okay. I'm going to go. I'm lean. See, here's the thing I don't like the Midnight Sky. Remember that one with Clooney? Oh, I'm looking at it right now. I don't know. If other people didn't like it as much as we didn't like it. And because it's a little dramatic, I, I'm going Fast and Furious. I'm going to do Fast. I'm not calling. I'm not doing Tokyo Drift. I think I think you're right. Uh, 
this is hard. Which is the worst one? It's not. Uh, um, I want to say Hobbs and Shaw, but I think it's just too memed on. I think it's actually. I'm gonna go, and this might be the wrong choice. I'm gonna go eight. Fate of the Furious. Fate of the Furious. Okay. Because I saw it in theaters and it was trash, and I think that's when the memes came out. I think I, th- dude, this was too ballsy. I don't know if that was the right decision. Okay, so I have one more to choose, and I need to choose the one. I think hmm, I really need to find something that just keeps me from going over more than I currently am. I, dude, I think I botched it with mine too. I think fate and I think those are all too hard. I think I know my next one though. I'm thinking about like some of the older movies that we've done. But like all of like I don't know. Oh, mm, ah man, this is so hard. This is to, oh, I think I've got it. If you still mind, dude, I'm gonna say this is where it gets tough because one is definitely gonna be worse than the other. I'm gonna say the Legend of Hercules, the not rock one. Okay, I I definitely got you beat then because you didn't pick mine, and I know for a fact mine's probably like under 20 okay so you said the legend of hercules the not rock one correct all right i'm going the last airbender oh dunk yeah that's crazy i can't believe i forgot about that oh, i know man. that movie's bad dude i think we both went all over right. though i think our middle ones your my uh your hubie and my furious i think i think they're too skewed there's certain audience that can single-handedly save the franchise or save the save the movie. I think we both went over. Okay, Bride Wars had 11%. Nice. Fate of the Furious had 67%. That movie alone sent you over. And then The it. Last Airbender brings you back in with 5%. You're sitting at 83. Oh, dude, this is going to be close. Um, Wild West, 16. Okay. Hubie Halloween, 51. Okay. Okay, okay. Legend, though, five, which puts you at 72. That was hard, bro. That was hard. That was hard. That middle one, dude, trying to find something, is it's so difficult. It really is. Because, like, that third one is where you hone it in, right? Um, Yeah. The middle one is, like, that's the most dangerous. You're just like, what's the worst one? But it's just because we didn't like it. But there's audiences that are just trash i guess i'm glad that legend of hercules that number is way lower than i thought it was gonna be i thought that number was gonna be at least in like the high teens low 20s yeah what do we give it i give it a 4.75 you gave it a four yeah <laughs> yeah that movie was pretty know, bad dude. yeah that's um, pretty bad oh liberty stands still dude i wonder what I, that movie i got. was thinking about that too the dwayne johnson hercules got 58 percent, so i would have screwed myself with that one liberty um, stands still 20 well, I got close with two of them. Yeah, and so just, you got two, I got one. one really. That's just how it goes. Yep. Um, let's move into free balling. I have two things that I would like to talk about. The first cool. one in my ever-expanding quest to play a bunch of PlayStation games is I played the first Uncharted game. Um, okay. This game came out in, like, 2007. It's, like, in that era where, like, it could have been influenced by Assassin's Creed, but there were already a lot of parkour games before it. But like it, you know, traversal is a very important part of Uncharted. Um, this game has not aged well. Oof, ouch, owie! This is a 2000 game, <laughs> and it feels like it. Um, oh, the no. combat is rough. There are like four puzzles in the whole game, and um, the detection on when you are climbing and parkouring is 
less than ideal. I have, there are multiple sections of this game where I ran off the same part of a ledge like four times in a row simply because Jeez. like the detection of the cliff like was not where I thought it was. Um, so it is a rough game to play. Now, I thought playing this game, I'm like, oh, yikes, this is rough. I know a lot of people like the other ones, but this first one was probably like a dud, right? No, um, almost perfect scores across the board when this game came out. That's the fun oh thing about gosh. video games is like the public opinion of games changes more drastically than maybe any other kind of media because it's so easy to compare how it feels to hold in your hand. And right. you said something a while ago about like forced participation from games. And that's what uncharted is. It's like the cutscenes and the characters and the charisma oozing this game, like shaped cinematic narrative storytelling in video games. It's exactly what you would want from like a, a game about a story about like the, the charismatic young explorer. That's exactly what you get. Sweet. Um, that's the only good thing about it is <laughs> it, it's, it's just, and it, it also helps that it's short. It's like 22 chapters, but you can beat it in like eight hours. It's a day. You could beat it in a day. Oh, um, beautiful. And so this bears the question, is it possible to have an adventure story without some sort of supernatural element to it? Because this first uncharted game Ends with Nazi zombies. At oh, no point in dude. this game do, do you expect like a supernatural element to come up. And then you get hunted by Nazi zombies. And like Tomb Raider has supernatural elements to it. Indiana Jones has supernatural elements to it. Like I genuinely think the Uncharted movie is the only piece of adventure media that does not have some sort of like Mayan culture come to life. It's always or like legend aliens. Of the yeah. spells of these people hid their treasure from this deity it's it's kind of tropey it, it's i don't know I, I think it's just part of the genre it's like not that big of a deal yeah and the only reason i notice it with uncharted is like uncharted is the most recent piece of adventure media to exist right. mm -hmm. um but i heard the other games get better this one did not impress me it in fact depressed me uh it's a flat set <laughs> Um, I'm going to keep this one short. I watched Flushed Away. I've been wanting to go back to this movie for a while because I love Hugh Jackman and I want to see if that performance holds up and uh, I want to see if the stop motion is any good. Um, the stop motion is very good. Um, the voice acting, very good. So much so that I felt my, I felt slightly attracted to the female rat who isn't so weird when you realize she's voiced by Kate Winslet. I'm like, all right. So I'm just a little weird. Um, you can forget these people are rats. The claymation is like the Wallace and Gromit style. So it looks like Wallace. And it looks like it's a, the same a, studio. Yeah, it's the same studio. So like it's it looks like what you would see for like chicken run or whatever. It looks like the humans just with like a little bit of a mousy face and a tail. And then they're wearing regular clothes. So like I forgot that they were rats. I thought they were just like little people living in a sewer because they had like small towns and stuff you can easily forget it's a all right story it's super tropey it's whatever i don't think it's a bad movie it's just like i never watched it as a kid i feel like this came out the same time like turbo did 
the racing smell? Nope. Nope. No? Not even not, close? Not even a little. By like 10 years. You're oh. off by like a whole decade. Uh, well, <laughs> there's snails in both and slugs oh, in okay. both. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> I just connected those in my brain. It's just like, I don't know. It was okay. I watched it with Willow. It was didn't change my life. Um, it was it was a sweet sweet movie. I would say it's a six. Sweet. Okay. It's whatever. Cool. Yeah. Um, Nothing crazy to say. I don't feel like jumping in the plot. It's it's about rats. There you go. <laughs> One of them was a pet. He doesn't want to be a pet anymore. I played a second game. I played Ratchet and Clank Drift Apart. Oh, dude. Rift Apart. People lose their mind over Ratchet and Clank. Yeah. So here's the thing. So I was a GameCube household, right? And all my friends were GameCube households. So I thought that was the norm. And then as I grew up, people kept talking about like playing Crash Bandicoot and Spyro and yeah, Ratchet and Clank. PlayStation 1 games. And Sly Cooper. They're, these are all these like PS1, PS2 franchises that I have no memory of because I didn't participate in it. I was not a participant in it. Right. But the older I got, the more I felt like I'm the only person that felt this way. That... Everybody played Spyro and Crash and Ratchet and Clank except for me. So mm-hmm. now that I have the opportunity to, I'm playing a Ratchet and Clank game. Now, granted, the most recent one. I'm not diving into the archive. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, but this game is fun. Um, don't pay $70 for it or $60 for it. It's a short game. You can play it in a weekend. Um, but like the writing is amusing but not funny um like you can tell where they try to do jokes but like it's more whimsical than anything else um it's very sci-fi i love the aesthetic of it it's like steampunk sci-fi uh and i'm a big fan of that um my big problem with it more than anything else is like none of the weapons feel more powerful than any of the other ones it's just like the style of shooting you get you get the weak gun that fires super fast the strong gun that you have to be precise with the bomb gun that fires one every five seconds so like everything feels almost too balanced to a point where like i really don't feel like the point of switching from one gun to another other than ammo gotcha um but the game is beautiful it's super colorful. The planets you explore are super cool. The characters are corny. Like, they still very much live in that writing style that I know that they had earlier in the franchise where all the characters are super goofy and cartoony and you just kind of got to be into it. I felt done with this game halfway through in terms of story where like i felt like we were wrapping things up and we were halfway through the game and i'm like all right chop chop guys let's get come on let's let's get through it um overall good experience i'm glad i did not like really pay for it i got it as part of the ps plus subscription and uh but i i had a good time with it i'm glad that i played a ratchet and clank game so like seven out of ten sweet I watched Lego Batman. I also watched Lego Batman recently. Did I talk about it? No, but I knew we were going to talk about it. I, you might have. I don't think we did. Okay. This movie's good. Yeah. And when I, I say I watched it recently, I mean like within the last month I've watched it. Oh, <laughs> no. We haven't talked about it. This movie's okay. good, bro. I liked yeah. this movie. I enjoyed it. Not for a kid's movie. No, I mean like it's a good movie. I think it's the perfect amount of funny. And it's the kind of funny that I like. Yeah. A lot of people, I've seen this take online a lot, where this is people's genuinely favorite Batman movie. 
that's a that's the diplomatic take. When you don't want to make enemies, this is what you say. So like when you say, what's your favorite Spider-Man movie? Into the Spider-Verse. What? Hey, man, you know what I meant, okay? <laughs> you know what I meant. Now, I can't be mad at you because it's a good movie. It's a great movie. People say, this is a favorite Batman movie. I'm like, I can't be mad. But like, you know what I was asking, okay? <laughs> you know. So like, it's the cheater's way out. It's a good movie, though. I I enjoyed it. The amount of references is amazing. The amount of comedy was amazing. There's actually heartfelt points. There's jokes perfectly timed. The voice acting was stellar across the board. They cast every star they could, even if yes. it's for like t- three lines. It's great. I recommend it. I don't even want to talk about it too much because I'll spoil it. But Warner Brothers really opened up the vault for this and said, you can use <laughs> all of our IPs if you want. Um, And it's stellar. And I'm going to give it, and this seems high, I'm going to give it an eight, bro. I enjoyed yeah, it, that's... and I would watch it again next week. And I watched it this week. That does not happen very often. My biggest problem with that movie, again, I agree with everything you said, down, down to the letter. Um, I think that this movie feels longer than it is in a bad way, where like this movie ends twice, and yes. the endings are like 30 minutes apart. <laughs> Like this movie genuinely feels like it's about to end an hour into it and you have 30 more minutes to go. Um, That's that's my biggest gripe with it. Yeah. It's a pacing issue. There's a reason it's not a nine or a 10. It's not perfect. It does have a couple flaws. That is one of them. It's kind of annoying. Um, But I totally agree. Let's wrap this up because this episode is beefy. (laughs) Um, Next week, we are doing one of our rare cinematic episodes, theatrically released episodes. Um, (laughs) We are going to be wrapping up our Transformers franchise marathon with Transformers Rise of the Beasts. This one's been a journey in a way that I don't know if I'm going to be able to fully express until after we've watched Rise of the Beasts. Um, I am a little worried that we're going to watch this movie, right? And then there's going to be six more Transformers after this. Of course there's going to be. Because there's already been another Fast and Furious. We knew that was going to happen. So there's another one. And there's going to be another one after that. So we're already two behind. Or there, No, we're one behind right now. We're going to be two behind. Um, I mean, speak for yourself. Um. <laughs> it just stinks. like Because you don't want to wait till the franchise is all the way out to do it. Because you don't, that's the thing about franchises is you don't know when they're going to end until like five years after it's over. And that's when they go for the reboot. So like, I don't want to keep the, here's the thing. This has been the most, we're going to talk about it next week. It's been the most painful, most painful franchise month. And I'm so excited for you guys to finish the journey with us next week. But that's next week. Until then, my name is Craig Wells, AKA permanent handle. And I'm Alex Good, AKA Alex Good. Have fun, be safe and make good choices. And while you're at it, tell your mama said hi. See you next week. Um, happy Father's Day.